Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon. And welcome to the Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it's another cloudy overcast day here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, the Bose Nose comes to you every week here at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays, and we invite everyone to get in on the conversation and you can do that just by calling in at 646-721-9887. And just press one and that lets Robin, uh, my producer, know that you want to get in on the conversation. But today we have a guest. And I'm happy to have Bill London from the uh, KPNW 1120 radio wake-up call joining me. Bill, welcome to the Bose Nose Show. Hey, Jay. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. I want a studio audience that's as huge as yours. <laughs> I want to... You love that? Oh, I love that. I want a studio audience as big as yours. We have no one. <laughs> we have 15 listeners and no studio audience, so I, I, I'm, I'm jealous. Oh, well, there you go. I have a studio audience, and I don't know if I've got 15 listeners, so uh, I think I'll trade you. <laughs> Okay. By the way, I wanted to let you know that um, I posted that I was going to be on your show on my Facebook page a little while ago. And I, I put on there, you know, um, looks like I get to be interviewed at 4 p.m. on Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich's online show. And, of course, the auto spell correct came up and had the red underline underneath your name. And I thought, I wonder what it thinks that I'm trying to say here. So when I clicked on it, instead of Bozovich, it suggested I put in Bolshevik. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've actually checked that yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny that, yeah, uh, of all the, yeah, when you think of all the politicians to, to have convert to Bolshevik, um, <laughs> I hardly yeah, I was, old. Uh, it, it made me giggle. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, so so um, I, I wanted to come on, uh, one, to talk a little bit about um, what it's like to do local news, but I, I want to jump back sure. a little bit, Bill, and, and just how in the heck sure. did you end up in radio in the first place? That's not something people just normally get into, and it's kind of a, an odd profession it's, it's not, a, not everyone's in radio so how'd you get there uh uh well it, it was kind of a circuitous route um i originally um wanted to go into law and uh actually technically tax tax law which if anybody that knows me personally would just shake their heads and go you dealing with taxes oh right um, and it became pretty apparent early on that that was just not something that I had any desire or uh, probably skill at doing. And 
When I was in high school, there was a local radio station that used to do what they called the high school minute. And there were five high schools um, where I grew up. And so Monday through Friday, at whatever it was, 7 o'clock, you'd get a couple of minutes. Each high school would get a couple of minutes. So my day was Wednesdays. And I would go down on Tuesday and record this two-minute little thing about all the different things that were going on at the my particular high school. And at the end of it, I got this little certificate from the radio station. And the, the program director said, well, hey, you know, anytime you want a job, you just let me know, which as I'm sure he told everybody, which was sort of a nice little pat on the head and, you know, go about your life and I'll never see you again. So fast forward a few years. Um, I had changed my major to communications and I decided that, you know, I, I think I'd like to try radio. Um, it was something that even as a kid, I was one of those kids that in the middle of the night, I like to put on the headphones, turn on my AM radio and try to catch the skip and listen to radio stations out of Mexico and Canada. And, you know, uh, I listened to KMOX, which oddly enough, is on 1120. Um, and if on a right night, I could pick up KMOX out of St. Louis. And I was always fascinated by it. There was something kind of magic about it. And so I decided, well, you know, the guy said if I ever wanted a job. So I knocked on his door one time and just said, hey, remember me? And he didn't. And I said, you said I could have a job, so I'm, I'm here. Where, when do I start? And he hemmed and hawed around. Well, we don't, we don't really have anything right now. And, okay, well, can I check back with you? Well, sure. So a week later, I call him up, and it's like, hey, it's me again. And so this went on for a couple of months. And um, finally, he said, look, um, you know, I, I can do an internship. If you can get college credit for it, I'll, you know, we'll bring you on an internship. So I started an internship, and that went for several months, and uh, uh, I loved it. And he, at the end of three months, they offered me a job. And part of the job was working with this guy named T.L. Fuller, who was had been in radio news for eons, had all these awards, AP awards, and you know all these different awards on the wall. And he was the... I kind of like this because it's on the internet, so I can say this. He was one of the the biggest bastards ever to work for, but he was a stickler, and I learned a ton from him. And I sort of became, for a while, I was his assistant, and at that time, uh, that's when radio news and news divisions had staff. Uh, he had two sports guys. He had an investigative reporter that was covering the Capitol. He had, you know, uh, two other news people who were working there, and I got to to be, you know, working in the newsroom. And I, I never really had even considered that aspect of it until I started working with him, and I was hooked. And, you know, T.L. beat me up a lot and gave me horrible, crappy jobs. And and uh, it was something I just, you know, I sort of fell into it and went, oh, I really like this. So I um, 
ended up doing news at a couple of other stations. Then I ended up sort of in music radio and bopped around doing that and program directing uh, some music stations, uh, a rock station at one point, and then later on a, a country station, and then back to rock. But news was, in current events, I really enjoyed more than really working music format. And so back in 2002, um, I was offered a job to program a news talk station and a sports talk station and do the, the, uh, be the news director for that particular cluster of stations. And I accepted it. I was just like, okay, great. I'm so sick of playing the same songs over and over and pointless dribble between uh, records and actually at that time it was, you know, computer cuts. But, um, and I, I loved it. And I never looked back. And then um, when I was on that particular news talk station, we were doing what I like to refer to as news on a roll or what in the industry was known as the CBS clock, which you, uh, you, did, you started your newscast, the, the local newscast, at about 10 after the hour. It went to about 20. Then you do your sports, your weather, your whatever. Uh, features until about 35 after the hour, and then you do another 10 to 12 minute local news block, and then more features, sports, blah, 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 and it goes to the top of the hour, meet network news, wash, rinse, and repeat, and do it again the next hour. And while I enjoyed that, I, I still wanted to do more than that. So I broke the clock and started uh, doing some some actual interviews during the course of that hour. Enjoyed that. And about 2008-ish uh, was offered the chance to come to um, KPNW and do, you know, a, a news talk show. And I got to kind of create the clock for it. And in radio, when they say the clock, it means the way that your hour is going to roll and what you're going to do at certain times of the hour and where you're going to play your commercials and what the content is going to be and, and so on and so forth. And so I wanted to do something that was really different from typical commercial um, morning radio shows where you do a bunch of news, and then you have a two-minute interview with somebody that's a newsmaker or an expert or whatever, and then you do a bunch more news and maybe do a couple of these just pointless sort of talking point two-minute interviews during the hour. I wanted to do something a little bit more long form, and so we came up with the wake-up call. and. You know, we brought in Rob because he has kind of a different sensibility. He didn't necessarily come from uh, a news talk format. He was more of a, a CHR or contemporary hit top 40 guy. And so he sort of brought that sensibility to it. And that's how we sort of created the show. So it was, um, it was, it was fun. Early on, it was, it was a train wreck every day. But once we kind of figured out how to format it, how to work it, how to work together on stuff. Uh, it it worked out. I think at least it worked out well. The ratings seem to bear that out, and so that's where we are now. Yeah, and and I, you know, I truly enjoy the show, and I you know, it's kind of I feel fortunate that I actually got to be one of your first long format um, interviews back when I was 
planning the Tea Party rally. Um, you guys were really pretty new to the area then as the wake up call. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that, that uh, you know, that, that started a, a long-term relationship as I ended up running for public office a couple of years later, um, somewhat reluctantly. So, <laughs> um, so Somewhat so, yeah. reluctantly. Really? No, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, I had to be talked into running. I got I got asked to run. I was not somebody that, that came out seeking to run. Um, a group of people asked me to run for commissioner. I, I was kind of done, really, after um, serving on the Lane uh, Community College Board was kind of going to be my last public office. And I kind of got involved with the Tea Party just kind of a spur, inspired spur of the moment and, and um, ended up running the Eugene um, rally um, and organizing the Eugene rally just mm-hmm. because I was the one that put my hand up first, I guess. <laughs> um, Don't and, ever uh, do that. Did you learn your lesson? <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, question. Yeah. Huh? So, question. I'm sorry, Bill. Um, did you, after you were elected, and I don't think we've ever talked about this, after you were elected and when you first got in as a commissioner, was there a point a month in, two weeks in, three months in, where you asked yourself a simple question, what is a smart guy like me doing in a business like this? There are times. <laughs> I don't know if it was three months in, but it, it there are times when you ask yourself that kind of a question. Um, you know, yesterday I was on the losing end of a four one vote. So, you know, those are some of those times when you ask that kind of question. Yeah. 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 Well, we all have those days. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely, you know, enjoy the the longer format interviews that you guys do at the wake up call. Um, and I, I, it was probably a great thing bringing Rob in. Um, one, he actually has an interest in sports when he does the sports. I always love it when the days he's out and you have to do sports. Oh, because I hate it. I hate doing sports. I do. Now, here's the weird thing. I like listening to sports talk radio, or at least good sports talk radio. I enjoy listening to it because I like, I like the talk format just in general. And so I enjoy listening to it. And a good, a good sports talk guy is, is as entertaining as anything you can listen to on the radio. But in terms of actually doing sports, I hate it. I don't really follow sports that much and or at all. And... I don't know how to pronounce their names. I'm looking at it and it's going, I don't know. What do people care about? <laughs> I have no concept of why do I, this is ridiculous. Why am I even doing this? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all, all the more reason to have Rob there as your partner. And, and of course, you know, it, it kind of gives a kind of, you know, Rob seems to be a bit more, you know, upbeat and, and, and uh, optimistic. And you bring in that, that, that curmudgeon side, um, Always, always pretty fun when you guys get into some of your six o'clock hour diatribes. Um, that's another thing that you couldn't do in a, in a standard uh, CBS clock show is when you kind of decide, you know, when you don't have a guest in the six o'clock hour and you've got something on your mind that you're just going to start uh, ranting about. Some of those have been some of the I wish I had recordings of some of those six o'clock rants about six somewhere about six 
25, 630. You get going yep. and go right up to the hour almost. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the fun thing about the the show is they really gave us a lot of leeway as to what we could do. There, there was no, well, you can't do that. Um, it's not to say that we don't occasionally get in trouble and I don't have to go down to the boss's office for detention, but uh, we get, they've given us a lot of leeway and they did a very little pushback of, okay, so that 625 thing that you said there, I didn't like that and you shouldn't do that and you should do more of that. I, we've never gotten that. I mean, they've let us be pretty much autonomous about it, which is totally rare in uh, broadcasting and totally rare in radio that they allow you to do that. And I, I really do appreciate that because it could have been something completely different and a lot more controlled. Um, so we can kind of, we can freelance, we can freeform, and, and I'm always going to be appreciative of that. Yeah. And, and you guys have a good chemistry and, and, and a good sense about what, what's going to be entertaining for your audience. And, and, uh, you know, whenever I can, I listen, I don't always get to, cause, um, I've got a thousand other things. I'm usually trying to get to at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, whatever, sure. But yeah. I, well, I, who doesn't? I, yeah. Truly enjoy the show. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there and I kind of feel, feel privileged to have you on my show for a little while, just to my turn to interview you versus the other way around. Um, kind of fun. Um, so you, you kind of covered how you got into radio and news at the same time. Uh, it's kind of mm -hmm. funny that you started out as a, as a, as a going to be a tax attorney. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, it's a, the older I get, the funnier it becomes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is, is, you know, I, I went to college. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I went, I was going to be pre-med and go in med school and all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, then I got to school and all the pre-meds were like uh, in their dorm rooms with pillows strapped around their, their, their heads and ears to, so they could study and get their four O's. And, and, uh, I, I looked around at that and, and, and all their young co-eds and the mixers and everything else and decide I need to change my major. <laughs> oh, thank God for the co-eds. The co-eds saved you, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh you know, man! I, I, I was, you could get an engineering degree and still uh, still have a life. <laughs> no doubt. Well, you probably enjoyed engineering more because I I don't really see you. I mean, I don't know. I just don't see you being a medical doctor. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, medicine fascinates me, and I, and I kind of you know came from a family that has a lot of medicine in the background. My grandfather uh, was a one of the top researchers at NIH um, in a lot of uh, various rare diseases and stuff. And my mom has a pharmacy degree, uh, pharm a doctorate in pharmacology, actually. And my stepdad um, was an MD uh, psychiatrist. So, and my little sister ended up becoming a psychiatrist. So, you know, it's kind of was pretty much in and around me, uh, the field of medicine. So when it wouldn't have been too hard to go there other than, um, you had to have a 4.0 to get into med school. <laughs> right. Did you ever think about doing... willing to give up... Huh? 
Oh, I was going to say, did you ever consider doing what your dad did? Because your dad was, uh, you know, he was a reporter for CBS Radio, right? Yeah, um, I thought a little bit about that, and it's probably what kept me interested in politics was growing up with a dad that worked at CBS. And it's funny you talked about your first boss being a son of a bitch. You should hear yeah. the stories about Walter Cronkite. Um, he, he apparently was an absolute tyrant on the set. I can yeah. believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, the grandfatherly image, uh, you know, of, of the, the voice of truth and all that stuff. But boy, when, when the red light went off on that camera and something hadn't been right um, during that, and he, he was known to fire people on the spot and, and, you know, rip people up and down. Um, he was an absolute tyrant. Well, it takes certain types to do that kind of job. I mean, what you think? I mean, I can under I can kind of understand that a little bit because you know when something goes wrong like that and you're the guy on the air for whatever reason they think it's your fault that it went wrong. Yeah, I mean they really they look at you and go, "Oh God, he screwed that up." And when it's somebody else, it's one thing when you screw it up yourself, but when somebody else screws it up and makes you look bad, it can put you in a bad mood. Um, you know, any more the way that it is, at least in terms of what we do, a lot of the problems are computer glitches. And it just, yeah. oh man, it'll set you off. And to have that happen first thing in the morning at 6 o'clock, 6 10, uh, something like that, and just, uh, to start your morning like that, it, it will set you off. But, you know, think about him. He's sitting there in front of an audience of millions of people nationwide and. It went bad, and so he looks like the goober. Um, I can kind of understand it, but on the other hand, you know, to treat the people around you like that who are trying to make you look good, uh, that's not necessarily a good thing either. Yeah, well, and it, you know, even our little internet radio show, Robin and I have put together here, um, we've had our technical difficulties where we, you know, couldn't figure out why we weren't coming across the air right away. And, and it take us three or four minutes actually to get the program going. And it's kind of, and, and you know, people are expecting us to be on at four. So, and there's this crazy thing with the delay where, you know, it's easy for us to talk over each other um, unless we get really clear that we've stopped speaking and, and, and all that. So it's, it's not the easiest format to deal with sometimes, especially, you know, like we we're discussing before you came on, but before we went live, you know, you're at Valley River, uh, basically on the phone. Robin's in Springfield, and I'm out here in Elmira. We're not looking at each other. Uh, fortunately, you and Rob can kind of lean around your monitors and see each other a little bit. Um, and uh, when you have a guest there, quite often they're right there with eye contact, and you know that conversation is a little easier. But it gets a little stumbly sometimes. But I know when we have technical difficulties right from the start of a show and, it, and it, we don't quite get on the air on time or, you know, something's not happening right. Um, yeah. Th that can make the rest of the show pretty hard to do. Yeah. It, it, that's when you learn how to get that stuff out of your head. You do it long enough and you just, you're kind of able to, to blow past it, but depending on how horrible it is, sometimes it can definitely put a crimp on the rest of the day. 
It certainly can. And I just want to take a minute here to remind anyone listening that um, this is the Bose Nose Show, and I've got my guest Bill London from the Wake Up Call on KPNW AM 1120 here. And if you want to ask Bill or myself a question, you can give us a call at 646-721-9887 and just press 1. And let, that lets Robin, my producer, know you want to get in on the conversation. She'll get you in the queue. So um, I'd like to kind of maybe shift gears a little bit, Bill, and, and let's talk a little bit about what it's like to do local news. Um, and just, you know, in the age of the Internet and, and mm -hmm. like you were talking when you first got into radio news, there was a staff. And, yep. um, you know, you, you've got – yourself maybe and occasionally you can get some you know some help um you know from Stu or or um one of the other guys to, to call and, and do a quick interview or soundbite because i've gotten those calls um in the afternoon for you know to set up a soundbite for your morning um radio program but what's it like doing um radio local radio news now um and and what kind of sources do you do you use well, it's, you know, it's really changed. I mean, you brought up a, a great point when you were prefacing the question about how there used to be a news staff. And really when radio consolidation started, this is real inside baseball, but when radio consolidation started, um, particularly in the mid to late 90s, and you had certain groups that were really driving their stock prices through acquisition, they were sucking everything up. And they were making a lot of money hand over fist because they were able to drive their stock prices up simply through acquisition. Then they got to the point where you can only own so many stations. You can only get so big. And then they began pairing back. And one of the places that they started, at least in smaller to medium market stations, was what do we need all these news people for? We don't need these. These people are not earning their pay. Uh, they're not, you know, we can make more money with less of them. So they started to, to whittle it down. And, you know, you get to the point like it is today, where in a market the size of Eugene Springfield, um, you really don't have much of a staff. I mean, I have a guy in the afternoon, Corey, whom I send stories to. I say, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Call this person. Call that person. And he's able to get a hold of them, or he's not in the few hours a day that I actually have a budget for him. So the rest of the time, it's me you know, doing that, um, booking guests for the next day, which is a time-consuming process trying to figure out who we want to book for the rest of the week or what topics we want to talk about and how are we going to get a hold of them and do I have that person in my Rolodex or is that someone I'm going to have to go out and track down. Um, and it's changed. It's, they've really given, I think, short shrift to uh, particularly media market station. Well, even up in Portland. Uh, KEX, which for a while they were a sister station of ours, and they've cut them back to the point where they've only got two news people. And wow, the 
I, I sat in with a uh, regional market manager one time and for, for News Talk for Clear Channel before it became iHeart. And by the way, they are the Antichrist and Satan as far as I'm concerned when it comes to radio, along with Cumulus and a couple of others. So just, you know, so everybody knows where I stand on this. So the guy's in there and he says, well, you know, our market research and the research that we've done shows that people don't go to, to, to radio for news. They go to other sources. Uh, they're going to the Internet. They're going to television. And so what we need to do as a, as a news station is we need to cut back on, on uh, you know, the, the people. And what we need to do just short stories and, uh, because that's, that's what people want. And I look at him and I said, so you're telling me that people don't go to radio for news. Correct. I said, well, did it ever occur to you that you've cut all the staff, you've taken away all of the resources, and the reason they're not going to radio for news is because you're not giving them what they want? Oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to us for news. And I said, well, you know, I find that kind of ironic because you start looking at public broadcasting and the numbers that uh, NPR Morning Edition gets and the like, um, they're pulling down some pretty huge numbers, and they're doing long-form interviews. They're doing a lot of news. They have investigative reports. Um, they seem to be doing pretty well doing that. So is it just the fact that you're not giving the people what they want, or just that we're doing a mediocre, mediocre job of, of uh, doing our jobs? And all I got was the stare of death and pretty much knew that I had said enough and I needed to shut my mouth, but I really do believe that's what what has happened to, for the most part, radio news. Um, and so, you know, with Clear Channel, the Antichrist, Cumulus, and some of the others, they set because of their size, they set the tone for the rest of the industry. And for whatever reason, even though it's against uh, the good of the station, they follow their lead, which is. I mean, to me, is ridiculous. It's like, why, why are you following these people off the cliff? You know, I, I mean, I look at my, my competitors, Cumulus across the street, and we just got our ratings back. I look at them across the street, and they've shot themselves in the head so many times. I look at them and go, why, why is anybody, why do they consider these people to be a model that you want to follow? Because when it comes to local radio, they suck. <laughs> I mean, that's harsh. But it's true. They suck. They don't, they don't cover the local community. Um, and I have, on a number of occasions, I've gone to war to try and get more of a staff. And I generally get slapped down on it. Well, there's not in the budget. No, we can't do that. No, we can't afford to do that. No, we, that's, that's not cost effective. That's not. So you just kind of been in, grin and bear it and deal with what you have and the resources you have and just go out there and try to do the best you can. Um, you asked a, a, a question about, you know, what do you use for sources? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, first off, if we're doing, if I'm using actualities and that's radio talk for those little voice sounders that you hear during newscasts where somebody like, you, Commissioner Bozovich, or you know Melinda McLaughlin from the Eugene Police Department, or whomever is saying, yeah, we arrested this guy, and uh, we had to throw him up against a wall, and he resisted arrest, and we accidentally broke his arm. Those are actualities. And so you, know, you have those people. They're in your Rolodex. When that stuff happens, you call them. Um, 
a lot of the stuff that we cover will get you know we'll get tips on it um, you know a lot of times you have to go through press releases um, you know in some cases I mean for better or worse um, you know your your local publication like um, uh, say the RG you know I mean sometimes they cover a story and sometimes it's a big story and you know they still wag the dog to an extent and so you go after that story as well um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing it right, but they're doing it. And you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll give them credit where credit's due. Um, but you know, I mean, and a lot of times, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times, the stuff just happens, like the weather. Okay, so we had these ice storms. Well, what's going to be your main story? Um, I think we're talking about the weather, and we're talking about the fact that. You know, uh, there's cars off the road, and there's power lines down. And when's the power going to be back on? When you know, when are the roads going to be clear? Where are the big wrecks? Uh, how much is this going to cost? You know, all the things that go along with that. That that kind of drives the narrative. And so, you know, you just kind of intuitively, or obviously, you just kind of follow that. Um, so. You know, it would be nice to have a staff where you could send somebody to the Board of Commissioners meeting or the city, all the different city council meetings and the work sessions and so on and so forth. But, I mean, logistically, you just can't do everything. Fortunately, like for instance with the Board of Commissioners, uh, you can go online, you can watch the board meetings when they happen, or you can, you know, I mean, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, Last night, you can bring it up online, and you can watch the portions of it that you want to report on, depending on what's on the agenda. So, you know, you use those things. Occasionally, you'll get an email from somebody or a phone call saying, "Did you know that?" No, I didn't know that. Well, let's see what that's all about. Um, so, you know, you look at those things. I mean, um, on really, really slow news days locally. I mean, we have an affiliate relationship with Fox News where they've got kind of a back-end website where I can go take a look at certain stories that maybe they're not covering very heavily, but it may be kind of a human interest or something like that, and they'll provide audio for it. So I'll grab one of those, rework the script so it sounds more like I'm reading it, and you know, I'll use that if it's available. So. You know, you just kind of use what what resources you have, and then, you know, the nice thing about being able to do long form interviews, like for instance, this morning, uh, we had Mark Buder on from the Eugene Opera. Well, the big story about the Eugene Opera is they canceled the rest of their season. They're up to their eyeballs in debt, and it was nice to be able to do just a short blurb on it yesterday and follow up on it today with the actual director of the Eugene Opera and really kind of get in-depth into the story about it rather than just a 15 or 20 second or 30 second news story on it. So that's, that's where you can kind of use the, the long form interviews to fill in a lot of blanks and stories and, and generate you know, news story literally through a live interview with somebody. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I got to. Hear. Oh yeah, yeah, and I got to hear part of that interview. Well, you know, what's what's sad is what you described about radio newsrooms has also been duplicated both in in the uh, 
TV newsrooms and in in the newspaper newsrooms. Uh, they're not they're not as as deep as they used to be, and uh, so you know get you know sometimes you guys pick up stories from each other, but you're all kind of shallow. So it's it's it, right. like you said, there, there's meetings you know, we have that pretty important. I mean, there's no press there. Yeah, because they don't have so, a staff. And I want to I want to follow up on 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 that thought for a second. And you know, I mean, anybody that that is going to say, oh well, you know, the internet really has had nothing to do with that. What well, that is not true. Um, particularly with print media, I mean, you can go to so many different sources for for information on the internet. Um, and what I will say, though, is is that there aren't a whole lot of places that you can go for information on the internet locally, unless you're looking at, for instance, talking about the weather. Okay, you're an eWeb customer. Your power has been out for two days. Um, you can go to their Facebook page, or you can go to the eWeb website, and maybe gather some information there. But there's, in a lot of ways, I mean, local radio, local television, local newspapers, I, I think really fail to note that the you can't get a lot of local information off the internet. You know, I mean, when's the last time that you tried to to actually get local information off the internet, a news story about, for instance, the board of commissioners? That's not something that is on a blog. Um, that you know may have been written by somebody that is even remotely interested in what happened at that particular board meeting, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it. You'll get information uh, from the county website, but you know, as far as in-depth information about it, what, what, uh, what really occurred on local stuff, it's, it's not a necessarily an easy find. And if you're trying to grab the stuff off of Facebook, you don't know whether the, what you're reading there actually happened or not. You know, I mean, I've seen stuff on Facebook and I go, "Oh god, I need to follow up on that." And then you find out the person that posted it posted third or fourth hand information about what they think happened and it's not even close to reality. It's like the telephone game. You know, you get three or four versions down the line and it's completely different than what actually happened. Um, I think there's a need, and I think there's a market for you know hyper local broadcast, hyper local media. If folks were willing to actually provide it, and I look at examples like, for instance, KOMO up in Seattle, which is an awesome news talk station. Uh, they really do a great job. Uh, KXL to an extent, KXL FM out of Portland. Uh, has clean KEX's clock because they're doing what KEX is not. I had a chance to fill in for Lars Larson a few times on his regional and also on his national show and got to work up at at uh, their studios up there. I mean, my God, they have so many reporters up there. Um, I mean, they've got their full-time, they've got their part-time people, they've got stringers. And you walk in there, and I, I look at that, and, and I, first time I walked into the newsroom, I was like, we've got, they've got more people just working on KXL and KXL News than we have working in all four of our radio stations, including sales here in Eugene. It's like, God, this is awesome. This is cool. Um, 
you know, they, and they've proven that if you're willing to do it and you're willing to spend the money to do it, there is an audience there for it, and you can monetize it. But, you know, it's 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 hard to convince folks that you know that they you need to spend all of this extra money, um, and it's you know it's a it's it's. It's it's frustrating, but on the other hand, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to this job, like the fact that I get to do a show that I actually enjoy doing, and I don't have people hanging over my shoulder with it. Well, that that's great, Bill. Um, we've got uh, Juan Kina on the line, uh, who's out driving a truck and has a question and a comment for you. Go ahead, Juan Kina. Okay. Hi, it's Juan. Hi. Hi. Um. Yeah. I totally agree. There's definitely a market and room for news talk radio. Um, I, I'm, I'm on the road now for the last two years only only on I-5 corridor. I, I'm, I no longer go 48 states. I live in Oregon, and I appreciate hearing local news on my radio because I don't have time to read the paper. I'm sitting in this truck beat. 11 hours a day driving. When I stop, I don't have time to watch television or pick up a newspaper. You know, I, that's when I have to eat, shower, get some rest. Right. So I, I do depend on radio news, and I really appreciate what you guys do. I really do, and, and I really wish they would increase your funding so you'd have the staff that you need. I, um, I heard you say that um, you filled in for Lars Larson. I yeah. listen to him whenever I'm in uh, the uh, northern northern Oregon or southern Washington area. I listen to that radio station until I no longer have a signal. <laughs> For the most yeah. part, though, I, I'm I'm forced to listen to NPR, Jefferson Radio, um, because I as I go down the road and I lose a signal, I channel surf until I find you know another news a news station. I don't have serious radio, so it's kind of a challenge. Right. Well, you but know, I, do I appreciate it. Well, I I I appreciate the fact that you appreciate it and I mean, you're <clears throat> a perfect example of why I say that there is there is a market out there for it and that people do want it and people, you know, um and they sh and it should be there. I I I really rue. I, totally the, agree. I, I really rue the fact that local radio has become what it's become, and and I'll give you a, a, one example of why I feel that way. Um, there was I don't know if anybody remembers this or not, but this was I think three or four, maybe even longer, five years ago, maybe six years ago, on the Oregon coast, they received a tsunami warning at I think it was six or seven o'clock at night, and. Unfortunately, it was a false warning, but there was nobody at any of the radio stations because they had totally gone to satellite programming or just computer programming where it's you know a giant i it's a hundred thousand dollar iPod machine playing music. There was nobody there, and they had uh, I want to say it was in Coos County, but they they had the local sheriff. The actual sheriff was pounding on the door of the local radio station trying to find if anybody was there so they'd get the word out that there was no tsunami coming. 
and they weren't there. Um, about the same time period, and my brother was in Arkansas, they had a huge ice storm, and it hit at about 5 o'clock. And all of the local radio stations were in satellite programming or in uh, voice track format and music, and they had no news. An entire city, and we're talking about Fayetteville, which is about Eugene size, Fayetteville, Arkansas, there was not one radio station on the air that was covering any of this. They had power down, power lines down everywhere. And I look at that and it's like, you know, that's when a radio station should be making hay. Um, and to not have anybody there, you know, I feel kind of like it's a disservice to the listener. And you're really not, you're not really a local radio station. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, and you as a trucker, I know that you would love to have on the radio somebody telling you Siskiyou Pass is closed. Um, here are the you know the routes that you might be able to take. This is how long it's going to be closed. You know, or where where it's absolutely. flooded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I told. I yeah. I hear you. I high five you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Um, like you were talking about those, the tsunami warning and everything, that that is definitely something. I, I don't understand why they just go remote on that. That's that's something that definitely needs to be followed up on. I I just don't understand why they don't think there's a market for, for radio news. Um, um, personally, just... it's, it, it, you know, and, and like shows like this, for instance, because I'm in California now, so I would not be... I cannot hear any Oregon news while I'm out here in California. I'm I'm headed north. I'm headed back to Oregon and Washington. But see, I, now I have this show I can call and listen because I can't just get online on my computer and listen to news, you know. So I I can call this this show here and I can hear something, you know. And I appreciate all you guys do, you know. I really well, do. Well, and, thank you, uh, Anita. I wish there was something that uh, we could do to get you. Uh, to, the funding you need. Well, I appreciate get, uh, that. You know, get the news right. when we need right. it. <laughs> Good deal. But, thank um, you, Juanita. Uh, I, I, well, well, thank you. Keep it up. I'll keep thanks. listening. <laughs> thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. All right. So, yeah, you know, that's maybe what we need to work on next, Bill, is, is putting together um, a business plan for the the Eugene Springfield, Blaine County version of KXL, and see if we can get the oh, investors. <laughs> oh man, I w- I would love to do that. That that would be, you know, the the thing about it is, if you're going to do 24 hour news, though, you, I mean, in a market this size, because I've pondered this, I'm, I've wondered, you know, could you actually do 24 hour news wall to wall in a market? this size and how big a staff would it take and are there enough stories coming out of here to be able to generate you know enough fresh stuff to where you're just not repeating the same six eight ten stories the entire day uh in portland at least you've got enough i i don't know i'll call it social deviation to keep things interesting throughout the day but yeah, I don't. I don't. I've I've wondered about that, but I I do believe that still with a larger staff that you could do a lot better job uh, of covering the local news and really do a lot more of it if you actually had a staff. I don't know whether you could do it 24/7 or not, but 
um, I think I, I think that that it could be a lot better than it is. Well, even KXL is not twenty four seven news. They have the the talk talk radio format mixed in with their with their news. But you know, there's Very definitely true. you could you could cover a morning show and probably a rush hour show because even just with traffic updates, it, you know, every, it, that changes from day to day. Yeah. You know, well, and that's what, the thing too. What, what I mean, going to be on the drive home, right? Well, that's the thing. You know, we we used to do traffic, and we had a traffic reporter here at, at KPNW, and this was uh, a while before I got here. And we had a guy that was doing it for a while after I was here, but it was just he was just here in the studio, had a scanner, had a map, was you know doing it kind of that way. And in all honesty, I mean, we really don't have the kind of problems that they have in Portland. You can almost pretty much figure on a daily basis there's going to be problems in the Beltline. There's going to be problems on the Ferry Street Bridge. I mean, it's just, it's okay, it just, that just happens. But as far as, yeah. as real traffic stuff like Portland, you know, I mean, that, you look at it and go, yeah. I don't know that we really need a full-time traffic person um, when I could yeah, use I them doing something person, else. But, but, but kind of, you know, like you guys do with the wake-up call, having those road rangers call in with, you know, what's new and different. Um, right. You know, I've, I've flagged you guys sometimes when Beltline's backed up more than usual um, so you guys can put it out on the air, um, you know, particularly when it's an odd time of the day. <laughs> And you see yeah. those backups. Um, yeah, which but, yeah, I appreciate. Would, yeah, because yeah, I'm kind of like uh, uh, Wakana, Wankina, uh, if I pronounce that correctly. If if Robin typed that incorrectly, um, I do a lot of driving. Um, you'd be amazed how much driving I do as a commissioner, just because of my district's so large and trying to get the meetings all over. Uh, and generally, it's in this this radio um, coverage area. And once you get past the wake up call, if I start running into traffic, there's nobody that's covering that live in in, in this market. I can, you know I can't flip the radio to to a station and expect somebody to give a live update on road conditions, unless we're in the middle of one of these you know a major ice storm where you guys are doing live you know. Where, where you pulled whatever talk show or satellites on and, and come on live right. instead. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I, I feel for her, her frustration too, because, you know, more often than not, my 15 to 30 minutes in the car going between meetings is my one opportunity sometimes to, to catch up on what's going on with the news and about all I can catch up on sometimes might be top of the hour national news, not, mm -hmm. not what's going on locally. And there's there's a lot going on locally that doesn't get covered. I don't know, you know, occasionally you'll see a guard story about a school board issue, but it's going to be either 4J Bethel or Springfield. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of other school districts out there. There's yeah, well, and, you know, small towns. And the thing is, you know, okay, so how are you going to cover that? When, when you have one person, one and a half people, how do you how do you actually go about trying to cover that? And it's, you know, it 
at first it was just, I mean, it becomes really, really frustrating. And then after a while, you just kind of have to accept, okay, you know, I'm only going to be able to do this amount of stuff. Where can I cast the widest net to, to try and cover the, mo the most stuff that I can? And, you know, you just kind of accept the fact that you've got the limitations and cast the net as wide as you can, and that's about the best you can do. Um, yeah. It's, and that's, it's sad, but that's, that's the reality of what you're doing. And when, it, when it becomes more frustrating, really, is when you have a weather event like we had, and, um, or when we had the fairly bad flooding, I think it was three or four years ago, um, where, you know, my gosh, we should be live and we should have people here and we should have people here and we should have people there. Um, and you just don't have them to send out there. And you don't have enough, and you can't live here 24-7 as much as sometimes I feel like I am. Uh, to, to be able to, to do it adequately. Um, you know, and I, that's really when people really rely on you, too. When their power's out, they can't get home, the road's covered with water, you know, what do I do? You'd like to be able to turn on the radio and go, oh, okay, they're covering this. All right, well, I can go that route. Or, okay, I, I, I know my power is going to be on within the next 12 hours. Um, it's 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 frustrating on this end not being able to cover everything like you would like to. And you're right, there's a whole lot of stories that go uncovered just because you don't have the time to do them. Yeah. Um, and even like the, the guard doesn't have the staff to come send to those places. No, no, they don't either. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's it's too bad. It, I mean, that's all you can say about it. It's too bad. And I don't know what will ever change that. Yeah, or what it, it would seems take. like the, the only thing that's kind of saving some of that is that there's still some um, small town weeklies that are surviving in, in Lane County, such as um, the Fern Ridge Review and um, the Tribune News up in Junction City or the, the Cresswell Chronicle or the Cottage Grove Sentinel or even, you know, the Springfield um, Times, you know, those those folks actually will report on the, you know, Benita City Council or the Fern Ridge School District or, you know, some of that small town stuff that you just would never see in the Register Guard. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of, you know, for me as a commissioner, I have to subscribe to all those, including the, the Syus Law News out of Florence, so I can keep track of what's going on to a certain extent. But, you know, that's what it takes to, to kind of stay informed on local news is, is a massive amount of um, media consumption. You know, it, I think it, that it has to come from something. I think that, you know, we were talking about the impact that the Internet has had. I think the Internet has actually hurt newspapers. It's not to say that they haven't hurt radio, maybe to some extent, and television to an extent, but newspapers in particular, um, because people think, well, why do I need to pay 30 bucks a month for, or 25 or whatever a subscription to the RG is? Why do I need to pay that much a month when I can go online and get basically the same information for free? And yeah. people have kind of gotten used to that that whole thing. Of, well, I'll just go on and get it free on the internet. I don't, I don't need a subscription to the newspaper. Why? Why do I need to do that? 
Um, and, you know, the, the newspapers have had a real hard time trying to figure out how to monetize the Internet. And it took them a long time to come to the realization that uh, the ad rates that they can get on the Internet aren't even close to what they were getting for the actual for being in the actual newspaper, where they're yeah. getting pennies a click as opposed to fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for, you know, a small three column, four column uh, ad. You know, I mean, they just the internet just doesn't monetize the same way as as having a hard copy of the newspaper. Yeah, and that's where these these you know, small town weeklies that, that don't go on the internet um, can sometimes find their market niches. There, there is no website for them. They're too small to, to run a website <laughs> other than maybe something that says, this is where you call to get a subscription. <laughs> right. You know, and that's about, that's about it. Um, so that, that, that is, you know, the internet has hurt probably the local the, the medium-sized daily, the small daily newspapers uh, of like a Eugene Springfield area, um, worse than anybody else, I think. Some of the large, um, you know, big city newspapers have survived some of that. But, you know, you think about their classified uh, sections, uh, Craigslist is just eating their lunch. You know, yeah. Well, well how, but, how but Jay, I mean, you... A classified ad you think about think about this though. I mean, you said, well, the larger ones are surviving. Look at the Oregonian. What happened to it? I mean, the Oregonian what yeah. now only publishes, I think, what three times a week actually, and most yeah. of their content is rolled over to online. I mean, they even changed the name of it. It's Oregon Live. Um, you know, they're they were dealing with it too. Um, I, I mean, when we talk about large newspapers, I mean, you have to get into like a New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, uh, you know, Sacramento or San Francisco Chronicle size to say, oh, yeah, they've survived. Yeah, and that, that's what was in my mind was like the Washington Post or New York Times. But even they have, have had their issues, too, because, you know, like I said, classified advertising has gone almost to nothing. And even some of the, you know, but they've managed to monetize their websites better, I think, because they've got the, right. the they're big enough and large enough staff to do that a little bit better than some of the small town papers have been able to do. But it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how this all plays. The the local news to to really be, um, you know, relevant and and enough staff to cover it, and and you know, hopefully people will start going. You know, I never heard about that. I didn't know, you know, I can't tell you how many times I get out in public and I talk about something that the board has done and people go, I didn't know you guys were doing that. We had a public hearing and all that, you know, multiple public meetings. People don't know about it. So, well, Bill, we're willing to come on today and talk about local news and all that stuff. We never did get to talk about smoking bans in parks or, or other issues um, of the day. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, um, some other time you're hard up for a guest or something like that, let me know, and uh, we can cover those or other things you want to talk about. I'd be happy to do it. I had fun. Oh, great. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, same thing. 
Uh, anytime you want me to come on and talk county issues, you know, I'm always willing to come on and talk. It's one of the reasons why I started the Bo's Nose Show was to give people an opportunity to talk to their county commissioner. So I want to thank Bill London from Wake Up Call. Yes, and we are just about done with the Bo's Nose Show for the evening. We'll talk to you next week when we have Byron Trapp, Lane County Sheriff, on. Talk to you next week.